All right. Uh, other than drinking tea and talking about what we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> uh, okay, class is over now. We can go. <laughs> Well, you came here to be, to talk about Lamu, and we just talked we just talked about it. Okay. So, uh, well, uh, since we none of us is really well, he has a notebook putting oh. out other stuff. <laughs> Just, uh, can I throw it on the f- uh, uh, o- open it uh, to you guys? So, Please. do you have any uh, any uh, sticky points that you you would like to have to address to have clarification on? <coughs> or do you have one, but you don't think it's worth? Discussing. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought of uh, was ask Rashid was because he was, you know, mm-hmm. when we do the prayers, you know, we, we talk about the, the Shomadal and stuff, but just going through the words that are in Tibetan because they're, you know, the English is sort of switched, you know, like Sashi being the ground or something. And mm-hmm. Is the words, you know, that way, if we knew sort of what the words meant, uh-huh. we would, uh, you know, I, I would feel more comfortable even though I'm saying them and then I look over and read them again. So uh-huh. be, just so we have a little idea. So y- your question is really a language question. Language question. Yeah, that's why I Or well, really, uh, not even a uh, language question, it's probably is a format question. <laughs> You like, what if you put the English right under it, right on the other side? Is that what you mean? Because, the, um, or you really want to know what will go over that, the Tibetan in yeah, that? Yeah, that's why I sort of was hesitant on the question. <laughs> it could take a while. And, uh, you want to go over the Tibetan, what Sashi mean and what Perky mean? Or you want to have yeah, the English? Yeah, that was sort of how I was, you know, on that same... When we have the special thing, the little red book that we pull out. Um, little red book. Not my Oh, uh, Sure. Because uh, I had a question on this as well, because there was a special, uh, there was a ceremony, and I don't know all the words, so is it better just to look at the English, or, you know, everyone's trying to partake in it, or do the best you can? Oh yeah, this is a, a rit. This is a Lama Chopa. It's a, it's a ritual of honoring the lamas or the teachers of this lineage, uh, and it's usually done uh, on. Uh, on, on days that are called sok days, some people do, do 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 this ritual on those days, just twice a month, and follows the lunar calendar. So it doesn't it's not doesn't always fall on, the speci- on exactly on the specific the same days. Now you want to know like when you do come, 
and you're given this book, should you, should you just look at the Tibet, look at the in English, so you can sort of have an understanding of what's going on, or should you sing along and right, so I don't with know the, even though you have no idea what you're saying with the Tibetan? Uh, I'll tell you this much: when the ritual is more than two pages long, most everyone in there have no idea what they're saying, even the Tibetans. It becomes, even if you were reciting it in English, after a while your mind starts wandering anyway, and you're not really, you may not even be focusing on the meaning, even if it was in English. So because of that, and because the, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I think it's the first time that we, uh, they started doing this here, where people are do, reciting rituals like this. So maybe later on. Uh, there, are, there are some centers where, because they begin that way, they recite all the, all, all the rituals in English. Probably, I don't know, uh, maybe you're familiar with those centers like that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure if they recite them in any, if they have come up with a, some sort of like a, a rhythm to and match the Tibetan. Yeah, Disrespectful. Yeah. I didn't know how to say it in Tibetan, but sometimes the words, like some of these, I know just from Oh yeah, and they're probably saying uh, something ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the way they're pronouncing but their it. Heart mm. 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 Well, to really help you, to, uh, as, as far as this, you come to a ritual is concerned. So, the United States is going through a phase. I'm sure eventually everybody will be reciting all these things in English. Because in Tibet, they don't recite it in Sanskrit. They recite it in Tibetan. Right? So eventually, uh, it's just we're going through, we're just going to over the transition. We are in the transition phase now. There are some centers, like the center that I, that I, that I go to uh, with my teacher. Everything is recited in, in, in Tibetan. My teacher spoke perfect English. 
he gave his teaching in he gave his teaching in his, he gave his teaching himself in English. But as far as the rituals were concerned, everything was recited in Tibetan. Uh, there are some centers, everything is recited in in English, even though the teacher might be might be someone who who teaches in Eng, uh, in Tibetan and someone who translates for them. And there's a, there are centers where I've seen where they actually they have a combination of both. Like if there's a if there's a ritual that they recite all the time in that center, so there are some parts, perhaps where uh, you need to think about w- w- what you're saying because it, it, that part may be so important. So they recite that part in English and everything else in Tibetan. Okay. So you would do whatever that center is doing, and if you're really interested in the in knowing the meaning. You can just take the book with you and look at the English at home. But just for the sake of the harmony of, of what's going on already, my teacher would say, do, uh, you, my teacher would use that ex- uh, English expression, do as the Romans do. When, when Rome do as the Romans. Yeah, yeah, that expression. So even though you may not know, even, even if you were to recite it, the English, because this, this, is, this is not a teaching, it's, it's a ritual, and where the words are uh, very condensed. And it, it could say something like, uh, kill mother, and then, you know, and it has a completely different meaning. But just because you know the words, that doesn't really help you much. Uh, so if, it's, if you're saying kill your mother in English or kill your mother in Tibetan, it's still something that you need explanation on anyway, whether you knew it in Tibetan or whether you knew it in English. So that, that will be for as far as uh, really knowing the meaning is concerned. If you really want to know the meaning, you have to get a teaching. If you want to know the words while you're saying it, perhaps take it with you, take it home with you, so, so you can look at the in- English that would help you. And then when you're here reciting it, try to recite it in the, in the Tibetan, just for the sake of the harmony of what's going on. Kill the mother? Oh. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, like mother could be taken as ignorance and then uh, attachment and so kill the mother. So. Not that there's oh, one of them in there says kill mother. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. There are some, like we just translated something the other day where some of the mantras were translated in Sanskrit and some in Tibetan, but um, some people think it's going to keep it off Sanskrit. The time of Buddha. And, um, <coughs> oh, the Sanskrit is supposed to have some, uh, um, so yeah, some, some special quality to it. That's why it stays in Sanskrit. Where? You will only see Pali if the audience is uh, someone who's like, if you're reading a commentary on some general topic in Buddhism, like, and you see the word nirvana come in, and the, and the writer <laughs> to show off. <laughs> 
this is, I'm kidding with it. <laughs> would, uh, because so, uh, the audience may be someone who is more familiar with the Pali, so they would put the Pali there also. So instead of saying Nirvana only, they would put the, the Pali, Nibbana, next to it. So just so that the, person, the audience might be, whichever the audience, whatever, whichever uh, the audience is more familiar with, they would understand what they're, what they're talking about. Yeah. But you will not see Pali in a Mahayana context. Like uh, you're not going to see Sanskrit and Pali in a in a Tibetan ritual because Pali is a language used mostly in uh, Theravadan. Yeah. Would you see that on Wikipedia? Probably Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm probably thinking that's probably right. So I'm yeah. do that a lot. Yeah. It's the Sanskrit and the Pali. Yeah. Wikipedia is really high class. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How does it? Um, I don't know. Oh, uh, you're supposed to understand what you're reciting. You're supposed to have an understanding of what you're reciting. But just for the sake of a ritual, per se, and, and uh, if that's the language that, that, that's being used at that moment, you just use that language. And if you already know what, uh, the meaning of what you're reciting, then it doesn't really matter what language you're reciting. But you're supposed to know. And then at, I think for now the reason that we are using Tibetan is because it, you know, it's new to Americans. And uh, the, the, the Tibetans who are giving us the, the transmission of the Dharma, most of them speak Tibetan. And since they are the one who understand the meaning, it's better for them to it's better for them to understand the language that they're reciting it with us rather than for them to force themselves to recite it in English where they have no understanding of it. I think it's uh, for now because of the transition. There's even a lot of superstition going around it because some centers because they do recite it in Tibetan. They grow this. They they develop this superstition that that's how it's supposed to be recited. Even if you have no idea what you're saying, there's some power in the Tibetan, something like that. So you have to. So they imagine 2,000 years from now, Americans will still be reciting it in, in Tibetan. Yeah, they have that. There is there is that kind of superstition that goes around that. But I think it's just because of the transition that we're in, and that's why right now you do have centers that recite it entirely in English already, and that will grow. Well, that's the answer for this one. <laughs> Another question? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so you have uh, uh, different levels of attainment of on the path. The alt- and there's there's uh, someone who's training, and there's someone who's uh, finished training. So we think of it that way. So entering the path has a lot of meanings. Uh, just because, for example, you're driving by and you see a temple somewhere, and you say, "Oh, I'd like to go to that temple," 
and then you go in there and you, and you introduce yourself and you start going there, that's, that doesn't mean that you've entered the path. Entering the path is a definite stage of accomplishment, of stage, a definite stage of attainment. Uh, different, di- there are different uh, ways of presenting exactly when you've entered, when or you've entered the path. One of them is the, once you've seen emptiness directly, once you see the true nature of reality directly, that's when you've entered the path. And that state is called Arya. So someone who has seen direct uh, emptiness directly, that's an Arya. And that Arya can be someone who is in the Hinayana path, someone who, or someone who is the Mahayana path. So there could be a Mahayana Arya or Hinayana Arya. Okay. It's like uh, once you get married, you're, you know, you're uh, I guess only for women. I guess you're Mister. No, it doesn't matter. Right? I don't know. Why is that? <laughs> I thought, you know, for a long time, I thought you become, you became Mister when you get, we got, when you get married. But they call you Mister even if you're not married. But you don't, you're not called Misses until you're married. Okay. All right. So you're not everyone. You can have uh, the term Misses apply for anyone who's get married. And it could be married from whatever tradition, Catholic, uh, uh, whatever, right? But you're still misses. So in the same way, Arya is for anyone who has seen emptiness directly. There could be a Bodhisattva, or there may not be a Bodhisattva. Okay. The, 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 the term Arahat is someone who has reached Nirvana. So in the same way, you have... Uh, Bodhisattva Aryas and Shravaka Aryas and other kinds of Aryas. So you can also have different kinds of Arhats. A, a, a Hinayana Arhat is someone who has reached what is, as far as the Mahayana, uh, Mahayana tradition is concerned, a lower Nirvana. They're out of samsara, they will never be reborn again, they're completely done with that. They're in Nirvana. But it's not the same arhat as a bodhisattva arhat. So a bodhisattva arhat is a Buddha. That's the same thing. Bodhisattva arhat. So that's a bodhisattva who has reached the end of his or her path. And, that, and that's the same as a Buddha. And that uh, Buddhahood includes nirvana, but it's considered to be a higher nirvana than the nirvana of someone who was in the Hinayana path. Yeah the, yeah, yeah, the nirvana, actually the, the, the nirvana of the Buddha is called the not staying nirvana. The nirvana where the Buddha doesn't stay nirvana. <laughs> it's just a nice term. Okay. So, the, the reason that uh, the last, the, the Buddhahood or the enlightenment of the Buddha is called higher is because, as you mentioned, is because it's for all sentient beings. And the other one is for the one who achieved it only. Oh, that's a good question. Next question. <laughs> Another question. Well, if you don't have one, I'm going to throw one at you. <laughs> you better answer. <laughs> we have another question. Let's get this one. Why sometimes do they have certain pictures 
color? Is it, like I see some traceover version? Uh-huh. Well? Yeah, that means you're not supposed to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, uh, the two kinds of pictures that are covered in the temple. One, uh, and the reason for, and it's really, you're not supposed to see it. If you have no idea what, what's behind that, you're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to see it. If you're a visitor in that temple. Uh, one is, there's uh, uh, the main, what you call the, the main deity. The main deity or the main Buddha that that temple pro, uh, what's that word? Pro, pro, propitiates is not supposed to be uh, gazed upon by someone who's not, who's not a member of that specific temple. Member meaning a member of the, of the, of the, uh, like, like the, the resident staff, so to speak. Okay. Or someone who's, who's, who's very close to, to that. And there's uh, also another kind of Buddha called the protector. And usually the protectors, the, the, the main protector of that particular temple or, or monastery, or has its usually has its own little prayer room, and 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 the image there. Even though, since visitors can go and visit those all the places of the monastery, so for visitors not to see that 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 image, they covered also. So they cover either the main Buddha, which is the main practice of a, either like if you have at home, for example, if you have an image. If that image is in, in your house, if there is a, a specific secret practice that you do, and the form of that of the Buddha that you make that secret practice with, no other eyes are supposed to look at that image of yours. Even though someone else may be very familiar with that image, they know all the different forms it takes. But your particular image that you have that you practice with, only you and your teacher can look at that image. Something about power transmission. Uh, and and also the the dhamma protector in the temple. The image is usually covered. Is that just uh, from Mahayana or this uh, image, or is that go back? Only in Vajrayana traditions will you find uh, uh, that I, the idea of covering a. a, a an image. Is is that also? Did you remember, you remember seeing images covered in? Uh, no. Yeah, only in Vajrayana do they have that. And in Theravadins, uh, there, there's no, there's only the Buddha, Buddha Shakyamuni, maybe Maitreya, but they don't have any other Buddhas. Well, maybe the well. Sometimes the number varies. The previous Buddhas. Sometimes five, sometimes it's more. Okay. So they may have, that's, that's very rare. They may also have images of the previous Buddhas before Sakyamuni and then the image of Maitreya. Because as far as they're concerned, that's all the Buddhas that, that, uh, that ever passed, that we ever had any connection with. And the previous Buddhas, the connection we have with them because Buddha Sakyamuni talked about them. And in a future Buddha, there is uh, some connection because right now Maitreya is sitting on the throne in Tushita, waiting for the time uh, for, for, for him to come here. 
Tushi Dai is uh, no. alright. That's not a question. <laughs> when uh, when a being is about to become a Buddha, that is, uh, you have to understand the Buddha almost like a, almost like an office. Okay, it's like he's about to become the president. Okay, and uh, before you uh, make your manifestation, oh, now I've reached Buddhahood in a world. Before you descend in that world, you're supposed to be a regent first. So, you, and and the place where you you do your regency <laughs> is in Tushita. Tushita is one of the heavens. One of the heavens. Yeah. Yeah. How come speaking of the Buddha, what's that mean? As Pamela, like I like. Well, <coughs> uh, like for example, you you don't hear people talk much about what Bush is doing, unless I mean, unless they, they're talking about news in a what I call uh, gossip kind of news. Oh, by the way, Bush went to golf today and then he, I don't know, he slipped, and that's. It's not really a news where you're really concerned about what is, what's happening because it, it, it's affecting your policy or whether you're worried about taxes or whatever. But you're, worried, you're concerned about what President Obama is doing because he's now the, the present, the present uh, president. Uh, almost in the same way, but not quite the same. <laughs> so the previous Buddhas, they, they've already uh, taught the Dharma and their, their main disciples already have uh, uh, the time the, the time is uh, gone already uh, this is a little subtopic uh, I'll, I'll bring it here so when a, when a Buddha appears in a world uh, what, what they call uh, uh, a wheel turning Buddha okay so someone can reach enlightenment and, and can reach Buddhahood, and you don't, hear, you don't hear anything about them. There are probably, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who have reached Buddhahood on this planet, and we have no idea. We, have no, we, have, we, don't, hear, we don't hear about them, because they're not wheel-turning Buddhas. You only uh, hear about the Buddhas who are wheel-turning Buddhas, unless, you know, you are a close disciple of that Lama who reached Buddhahood whenever. So, when a Buddha c- appears in the world as a wheel-turning Buddha, he is, in the, uh, for a period of time, the only Buddha that, 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 is, that is known, that is talked about. And, and the reason that it's called a wheel-turning Buddha is because the Dharma in that world was either completely gone or, or, or very, 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 very hidden. I mean, extremely hidden. So the, the Buddha, who, who, the, the being who comes to reveal the Dharma, to step, to, that's what they call the, the wheel turning, to turn the wheel of the Dharma again, that being is called, the, that's, that's the Buddha. And, and, and for the time that he's there, it is, it is said that he's the only Buddha there. Or the only, there can only be one wheel turning Buddha per planet, per age. It doesn't mean that he's only a Buddha. Okay. So... The only teacher who is the wheel-turning Buddha, okay, there can only be one. 
and the Shakyamuni Buddha is the present one. We are still in the age of the wheel turning, the wheel turning age of Buddha Shakyamuni. And there cannot be another one who's turning the wheel of the Dhamma, that is, uh, the wheel of Dhamma stopped and then he came and started again. It's, it, the, uh, 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 the Dalai Lama, for example, is still turning the wheel that the Buddha t- turned. He then started turning it on you, okay. as an example. And Buddha Maitreya will be the next one, in the sense of the, the wheel of the Dhamma will have, there will be a point where the, the, there will be no talk of Dhamma in this, on this planet. And then Buddha Maitreya will come and then he will turn the wheel of Dhamma again. So, and, and, and that's not going to be like, uh, we don't have to worry about you know, making preparations in your life for the coming of Maitreya. That, that, will, that may happen thousands of years in the future. Exactly. Well, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> from uh, from from one perspective, you have to say he's not yet a Buddha because he hasn't turned the wheel of the Dharma yet. That is, turned the wheel of Dharma like uh, gone, appeared in our world, and then there was no Dharma, and then he started the wheel of Dharma. So, from one perspective, that's when he can be officially called a Buddha. But as far as uh, there are some other traditions, uh, especially traditions that are connected with uh, 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 Tantra in some form, he's already a Buddha. He's reached Buddhahood a very, very, very long time ago. And he's probably a wheel-turning Buddha in some other planet already. But as far as this planet is concerned, the time for him to be the wheel turning Buddha is not yet. And it's not really like we are waiting for him to come or anything like that. It's just that we already have the Dhamma turned already. Turning already. So we don't have to wait for him to turn the wheel of the Dhamma for us. And the period of time that the Dharma stays in a world depends on two things. The merit of the beings in that world and the connection we have, that the beings have with that particular Buddha is going to turn the wheel. Uh, usually, it, it is said, a Buddha appears when... when uh, the Buddha can remain for a very long time when the lifespan of, of the when the general lifespan of the of the of the humans there is very long. I mean, very long. A few hundred, few, sometimes thousands of years. Okay. So this is the first one of the one. That, one this is one of the very rare occasions where a wheel of the Dharma has been turned in a world where the general lifespan is less than a hundred. 
That's why sometimes it is said that we are so fortunate, so lucky to have the Dharma. Because this is like an extremely rare thing for Dharma to be turned in the world like this. We're not worthy. <laughs> and uh, the, dham, the age of, of, of the Dharma, that is from the time the Buddha started turning the wheel of Dharma up to the time when there will be no more talk, you, you won't even hear about the word Dharma anymore in this planet. Uh, it's supposed to be like around 5,000 years. And that's considered like a drop in the bucket. In the, in the bucket as far as the time of, of Dharma is supposed to, to stay in a, in a, on the planet. It's supposed to stay for like 10,000 years, 100,000 years or something. Yeah. And it's because we are, we're not even worthy to have the Dharma that the Dharma has been lasting th- that long. Yeah. And that's where I guess all the... Uh, sensations I don't, I don't know if you know anything about, about the sensations about the, the halfway point now the Dharma was in, in the east for 2,500 years it went through it various changes went through it golden age and now the Dharma is coming to the west and it's going to go through the same phase of uh, introduction and then it will flourish it will become golden there will be a golden age of the Dharma in the west and then after that, well, there's no more directions to go to, <laughs> and that will be the end of the Dharma. Yeah. Hmm? No? Oh, well, uh, yeah. Uh, probably won't go to the North Pole. <laughs> if, if there was a, a North Pole kind of a, North kind of a culture, it probably it probably would have gone be okay it's going to go there next or something but it's really east-west kind of thing mm. Mm. and east and west it does uh, they do have their north and south division yeah right <laughs> because uh, what we call it, it's interesting that Mahayana Buddhism is in the north part of the east and then Theravada or Hina well, don't, don't tell Theravada and Hinayana but <laughs> the Hinayana or Theravadan part is mostly in the southern part of, 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 of Asia which is interesting and here I think in the west there's going to be like a it won't be much of a well can't really, really predict because there was there was a time there was only Mahayana in the east <laughs> mostly Mahayana in, in north and south and then now it's pretty well defined Maybe they'll be, be like that too. I will, uh, maybe, this ma- maybe the Mayana should go in the south, you know. Sunny. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, there's a age, uh, there's a, a prediction. Uh, uh, for how long the Dharma will remain. And then, you, you, pro- you probably have or will, he- will hear the term uh, degenerate, de- de- degenerate age. And what, what, they're, what they're referring to as degenerate age, there is a, you know, there is a political degenerate age, and that's when you study uh, uh, history of different cultures. 
and other religions have things, uh, ideas of degenerate age. But the degenerate age, as far as Buddhism is concerned, is uh, the, the, the closer we get to the 5,000, the less uh, uh, how would you say that? The, uh, as far as the disciples who are following the Dharma is concerned, there will be uh, less uh, of a less of a lesser caliber than those who, who, who studied the Dharma earlier, because uh, those who study, if you start from the, the time of the Buddha, you had the, the Buddha right there. If you had a question, right, you can go straight to the Buddha. Now the Buddha's is, is appearance is no longer here. So now you have to rely on uh, others, and uh, so those who were around the Buddha achieved high, high, high spiritual uh, uh, goals uh, faster and in greater number than than now. Now the you might the number of people who are following Buddhism may be greater than the time of than time when the Buddha was around. But the number of people who are, act, who are uh, achieving uh, realizations are less than when the time, than the time of the Buddha. So because of, of this, this is going to continue go less and less and lesser. And that's why the Dharma is going to eventually uh, be longer around because the, uh, the caliber of the disciples will not, be, will not be so high. Some people will be interested. They, they say there will come a time when people will be interested in the Dharma just as a scholastic endeavor. They will not be interested in it to really practice to gain realizations. Mm. Like in a university. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, will, it will be just an uh, anthropological topic. Okay, yes. Um, so we we spoke before about uh, what virtue is, right? Mm -hmm. And is um, I, I was thinking about it, and I started thinking it, it reminded me a bit of um, one of those pyramid things, like a pyramid scam, where <laughs> I, so this happened to me one time. I I uh, when I was much younger, maybe ten or eleven. I saw an ad in the paper like, oh, how to make $2,500 a week or something. Mm -hmm. So I sent away, it said, send, send a dollar with a self-addressed stamp envelope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, so I sent it, right? And they sent me back my self-addressed stamp envelope with like a page, a piece of paper in it. And the paper said, put an ad in the newspaper <laughs> and then tell people to send a dollar with a self-addressed stamp envelope. And that's how you make the money. Whoa! So it's like a—that's a nice scam. Yeah. So you, so you put the so the people responding to the ad trying to make the money are actually the people that are making you the money. Yeah. So it's like goes on and like this. So I was thinking, like, in terms of virtue, right? You're you want to have a mind. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong about most of this, but mm. you want to have a mind that a virtuous mind, which which can be you you want. Um, Okay, you all the people around you, you wish that they could, you wish that they could be happy, or you wish that the, um, mm, 
wishing for them to be happy or something like that. And then in order for them to be happy, they have to do virtue. In, to really get to happy, they have to do virtue. Mm -hmm. So their virtue would, would be involving hoping, wishing that other people would be happy. You see how that works? Like you're wishing, wishing for other people to be happy, and then acting out of that. Mm -hmm. But in your, but the mind you're supposed to have toward other people is you're wanting them to be happy, and in order to get that, they have to wish other people to be happy, and then, and then they're wishing <coughs> that this person to be happy, then wishing the other person. To be. So it becomes kind of like this right. thing where. Um, <laughs> Uh, it reminds me of that that, that pyramid scam. Like, <laughs> like, like really, hmm. you're trying to. What what kind of threw me off about it is there's this, there's I, I get a little bit sort of um, nervous when people are like they're they're doing something and they're trying to like get you to do it too. Mm -hmm. Like people like they give out like the the pamphlets like mm -hmm. Jesus for Jesus or something, and mm -hmm. or like they demand it and they like join our club or something. So I felt a little bit like like I'm hoping that they're gonna be happy, so they have to do the same thing that I'm doing. You know what I mean? So like even if I were to explain, if they were to ask me, oh, if even if I was having a conversation with them, oh, you know, to be happy, you have to do virtue, mm -hmm. and then what's that? You have the same thing that I'm doing, which is. Well, it's it's not just there. It's not like uh, uh, this. It's 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 not like okay. I want to be happy. I have to do virtue, or what is that? I have to wish someone else to be happy, and then you stop there and you go to that person and say, I want you to be happy, and then and 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 that's it. No, I understand. You have to act out of that. Right? Yeah. But when you're you're hoping that other people be happy. And if you want them to have the cause of that too, mm -hmm. you're really hoping that they're going to do virtue. Yeah. So you're hoping that they're going to hope other people are going to be happy. Mm -hmm. So this is like this weird chain thing. Mm. No? Yeah, it's, it's a nice it's chain, I think. It's a nice <laughs> chain, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not making any mistake there. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe part of the problem is that I don't, it's, um, uh, I don't feel like, oh yeah, now that's really, I'm really excited to do that. I feel like if I'm not really like excited, like I, I find sometimes, like when you're teaching, mm. I, the reason I remember stuff when other, other people talk, I don't remember. Mm. It's like I'm really focused and concentrate on it. Mm. Or like, um, I don't know. Like people, like I, I tend to forget a lot of things, but certain things that I'm really focused on. Or also, I find if I'm really excited to do something, then I'll do it. Mm. Other things become like a chore. So there's not there's nothing about that. Oh, I hope and I hope there's that excitement isn't there. Um. Um. So it's really about understanding virtue. Mm -hmm. At least the definition of virtue mm -hmm. is virtue really wish uh, wishing others happy. Well, that's a virtuous mind, right? Yeah, that's a virtuous. Yeah, that would be a virtuous mind. That would be A, with many other ones. Yeah. And then, but act, you have to, in order for it to get the whole virtue, you have to do it with the... Yeah. You have to then act out of that. You have to relate or, or, relate or interact with someone 
and then when you're re- relating or reinteracting with that, with that person in your mind, you, you wish them to be happy. And uh, the chain part that you're talking about is that, that since that is the way to be happy, so when you're wishing for that person to be happy, you're actually wishing for that person to do just what you just did. Yeah. Mm. And that's right, yeah. <laughs> you want that person to be virtuous. Yeah. But your happiness, the result of I'm going to be happy when that person starts doing what I just did, there, there, there is no connection. Uh, yeah, maybe there's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that will be the part where the, the person doesn't have to re- uh, send you a self-esteem envelope with a dollar. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It'd be nice if they did. Actually, in, in thinking about this, I, I realized something else interesting about. Like, um, like we tend to think. I tend to. I find maybe I'm I'm half half the time. Uh, I have. Um, well, I don't know. I th- sometimes we, we have some. There's something about us that um, we think, oh, I'm this way, and I want to be that way. Mm-hmm. But in and or yeah, or the opposite. Like I'm I'm this way, and I and I don't want to be this other way. What I noticed in, along with this is you really see your mind's like this big like continuum, and mm-hmm. at some point it's easy to say I I wish other people would be happy. Sure, why not? And then other points along that continuum line is the opposite. Is uh, how does it feel? The opposite of I wish. Yeah, like it's not easy at all. Like actually, you think no, I don't. Either I don't care or like um, something. Much worse. You wish them to suffer? Uh, not that I wish to suffer, but uh, I don't care. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was thinking, I was like, which one is the real me? You know, am mm-hmm. I really the person that wants other people to be happy, or, mm-hmm. or am I the one that, uh, you know, people have been bad to me, so I don't care, kind of mm-hmm. thing? And you really look at it and you think, wow, it's interesting. I can't really say that I'm a good person or a bad person, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes I'm. Good, like mm-hmm. wishing I So which one are you? Actually, yeah, I can't say I'm either one. So which one are you? <laughs> okay, if you're not which, if you're not one of them, so other than, are you something other than those two? At at sometimes, 
there's certain times where it is I'm a person where it's easy for me to say, yeah, I wish other people would be happy. I have no qualms about it whatsoever. Mm. And sometimes I feel like, no, I don't something mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I try to bring that thought into my mind, and it's like a really strong feeling of, mm. no, I don't. Yeah. Well, there are two ways you can look at that. Uh, there's, uh, who am I? And the answer is, uh, whatever you are, you are happy, happen to be at that moment. When if you're not looking at that I as as the as the I, the me that continues throughout eternity. If you just say, okay, right now, who am I? So whatever you are at that moment, that's who you are at that moment. Uh, that and also there is there is the and if you understand okay this I that I am at this moment how is it how did it get to be this way right yeah so when it's easier for you to wish others happy that wishing others to be wishing others to be happy comes from just a habit of wishing to be others to be happy Right. And then when you are, oh, I don't, I don't care much about other people's happiness. That that comes from the habit of doing that, or the habit of, or the non-habit of doing of doing the opposite of wishing others to be happy. That's where that I strongly wish others to be happy, or don't care how other happies come from. It comes from habit. As far as the eye that continues to eternity is concerned, yeah. that's an illusion. You're never going to find that one. Like, which eye am I really? Am I the eye that sometimes wishes others to be happy? Or am I the eye that doesn't wish others to be happy? Or this eye something else? That eye, you will never find. Because it doesn't exist. That's sort of uh, living in the exact moment sort of situation. What? Like the I two hours ago thought there was going to be a land rim discussion. Yeah. The I now doesn't yeah. realize it's not happening. Yeah. So that, that was a different actual I or... Mm-hmm. It sort of goes back to when we talked, when I asked you about Buddha in the long discussion, your answer sort of came out, it's a skill, a learned skill. Mm-hmm. So it's the eye learning how to do stuff, where the eye keep continuously changes until that point. Is mm-hmm. that a good interpretation? Yeah, when, when you say the eye learning something, you have to understand that the eye is just uh, a result. The result. There's, there's a result called a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, there's a result called this book, and there's a result also in phenomena, in existence, in nature, called the eye. In the same way, this came from different things coming together. That's why it's, and because of the specific thing that came together, can only produce this. This, so there are specific things when they come together produce this thing called I. And it's always an ever uh, manifest of results of whatever you know came into producing it. So the I training is not really like, and there's an I, and it's going through various. It's, it's going through various stages. It's just bringing different things together, and then you get this th- different manifestations of that you call. Oh, that's. Oh, this is the I now. This is the I now. This is the I now. So, continuous change until 
Yeah, you can say that. And even at, at, at the point of enlightenment, you can still continue with the change. Yeah. Yeah. When you reach Buddhahood, the Buddha of this moment is not the same as the Buddha as the next moment. Even though that moment is seen forward and backwards by Buddha.
that sweet sort of thing where you're like talking to one another. And you don't want to, like it's sometimes it's easier. You know, of course, like, both those things are there. Both, both uh, a negative feeling and also not wanting to uh, make change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it's always been. It's a habit. It's a habitual mind. Right. And then that's what's there. Yeah. Always is a habitual thing. Yeah. And the answer is that it's a habitual thing. Mm. It's our nature to want to be happy. Mm-hmm. This is a bit of a discussion that Brian and I have been having. Well, he's brought, he's been bringing it up well lately. I think uh, we're trying to get into what is virtue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So it's it's centering on that. I think his question, mm-hmm. the nature of virtue. Well, more. I think we've been trying to get a def- uh, definition of virtue. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. And then, do you want to repeat what your definition? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you will remember. If you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So virtue is. Um, that which you, that which, um, well, you, virtue is what creates the cause of happiness. He also says virtue, where he says definition is that by that which, by doing it, creates happiness. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That which by, yeah, doing it creates actually creates the cause of happiness. Yeah. I would agree, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) So I think when you're saying wishing someone to be happy, uh, what you are referring to is the good and the bad Buddhists. There's there's a point where, uh, I think it's, it's the same thing that in every religion where there's a point in your uh, practicing that uh, the precepts of that, and you know, there are those aspects of your mind that wants to do what you're told you're supposed to be doing, and there are those aspects of your mind that seems to be fighting with those very same uh, thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you, and then you might go and and in Buddhism, because we uh, we focus a lot on the nature of the I, so that you you, you uh, in that in in that there's a somewhat of a teaching that can help you deal with that. But I would say be, uh, if someone is in that struggle in their mind and because they're, they're trying to find out which one am I really, then, then the struggle can go on for a very long time because that answer, that question is dealing with an answer that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You're not really any one of those things. You're not really the good guy. You're not really the bad guy. It's just that just happened what just the force of habit, the, the habitual tendency happens to be strong for you to be a good guy, to think those along those lines, and then when, when that when that power of that dies or dies, and then the next thing, just the, the habit of doing that is there because the habit is there. So if there is no habit for you to think 
a certain way, you're not going to find yourself thinking a certain way. And if you're st just starting to build up the habit, it's not going to be in your mind all the time because you're just starting. It's, there's no, it has no, it has no power. And just because it has no power at that moment doesn't mean that that's its nature is going to be powerless forever. You just uh, just have to keep working on it, and it begins with that small intention or the small smallest little thing of is this making me happy? For example, if the ha if it's the habit, if it's the habit that you want to get rid of. And at the moment, you begin by saying, was this making me happy? And this is to give you like a stock look at it so that you can start to gain the power to, okay, to stop it the next time you see it come up. Otherwise, if you don't really see what benefit or lack of benefit that this present state of mind is giving you, you're not going to be able to be empowered to either strengthen it or to uh, uh, remove its, 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 its power over you. But if you, if you begin with the question, which one am I really? And you really believe that you're going to find an answer. Or am I the devil's child? Or am I, you know, am I... Uh, <laughs> so, so you can, so, and you really want to know the answer so you can get on with your life, so you can be the devil's child and then not worry about anything. The devil's protecting you. <laughs> or if you're really an angel and then you say, okay, I'm really an angel, let me stop... Uh, 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 messing around with, uh, with, with, you know, with being evil. You're not going to find it. Because at the moment when you're being angelic, it's just something that, it's just all the causes and conditions came together for you to be angelic at that moment. Or for, you, for the appearance of an eye that is angelic to manifest. throw it back at what uh, Bill uh, put in about uh, about <laughs> about the <laughs> about the uh, the eye going through uh, training uh, the eye training I am training training yourself yeah uh And, and that word training is very important for us to remember. We are training. So if you're training to be complete, uh, uh, someone who is uh, very loving and only loving, you have to you remember you are training. It's not you're trying to decide which one to be. And one day I'll say, okay, I, all right, I'll be loving. I won't be uh, the other way anymore. And then boom, you're loving. It's just a matter of building up what your training is, building up the building up the momentum or maybe building up the uh, habitual tendencies. So, there's the good side or the bad side, you want to call it that. So the training is to habituate yourself more with those, with those things that are, you, you find more beneficial to, to, the, step to your, the, 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 the state of your mind. And, and it could be uh, uh, someone who, uh, let's say for example, there's this virtuous thought or virtuous attitude that you're supposed to have, and it's not something that you ever that you even thought about. It's just the first time you you ever heard of it. You never, you cannot remember once in your life where you, there was even this experience of this thing in your mind. 
And you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to be very frustrated training in that virtue. And the frustration comes from because you just not have, you're just mind, you're just not habituated to it yet. And the way to finally get to that is to habituate yourself. Begin with one moment. And that's, that, and that's one moment of habituation power you have in your mind. And the next time you do two moments. And the next time you go back to one moment. The next time you go, you might do two moments more. And eventually you, you, you'll be able to do it all day. Eventually you'll be able to do it and you completely transform into that. It begins with understanding that it's a training. It's not deciding to be this or that at that, and, and then that's what will decide what you are. Um, I, mean, I, I meet a lot of people who, who say, oh, I can't meditate. I mean, when they say, I can't meditate, they see it as a fixed condition. There's no way, even if the Buddha came and taught me, I would not be able to meditate. It's impossible. Why? Because when they try to meditate, all they experience is you know, uh, distraction. It's just, the distraction is happening what you're <laughs> habituated to. And, you, and, you, and it will be a struggle, it will be a, a, a difficult thing where you will one day find yourself meditating or you will find yourself concentrating. But it, it will not be because one day you decided to concentrate. It will be because over many years you decided to concentrate and you concentrate at that moment for one second. Or you spent, like uh, you have half an hour, you're supposed to be training yourself. And for the half hour, maybe one second was spent in concentration. And then the next day, no concentration. The next day, one second. The next day. And maybe a month later, another second comes up. Eventually, you will find yourself meditating. And, and that result comes from training. I am not there yet. I am make, bringing myself there. That's what training is. You're not, I'm training to be a bodhisattva. Oh, I'm a bad person. I can't be a bodhisattva. Bodhisattva is supposed to do that, that, this and that, that. Look at me. I'm so selfish. Forget your training. If you're a bodhisattva, you wouldn't be training to be a bodhisattva. Yeah. You're picking it up little bit, bit by bit. And, the, and sometimes the bit is so tiny, it seems insignificant, but it's not insignificant. It's a monumental task. It's a monumental result. If you're training, for example, training to be uh, to concentrate, if you're able to consciously decide to concentrate, and you're able to concentrate for one second, that's a tremendous achievement. You should be rejoicing. Rejoicing is a really important thing too. Yeah, it's like it's like the fuel. Right, Lama has taught us so much over the years that at the end of the day, okay, maybe a lot of non-virtuous, bad Buddhists. Even if I go to Viking and it's all blah, 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 garbage, the fact that I'm attentive to the moment and if I rejoice in it, merit, 
Oh yeah. I mean, you, you, can, you can look at it as uh, the kind of energy you have to expand when you when 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 there's too much. Like it's easier to lift this book, but if it was like you know all this table or everything here, it would be much much more difficult. So the energy that I have to put into lifting the table is much more than the energy that I have to put to put uh, to lift this book. So you have to, if you consider this is degenerate age, this is all the stuff that you have to put up with to, 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 do, to do the act of lifting. So by uh, the person who only lifts uh, lift, uh, this much weight is not as strong as the person who is able to lift the entire table. Uh, does, that, does that make is that good? In other words, at the time of the Buddha, <laughs> the merit was so powerful, so strong, that you could do one teaching and become a light. However, now, in the degenerative age, if you keep one vow, you keep one precept, and you practice one virtuous action, it's supposed to be just. Because I'm trying to say that the odds are just so much against us. That's why the degenerative is far Okay. Are you ready for the for this book now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll uh, crack it open. It's open, now it's closed. The Wheel of Life. Teaching on the Twelve Links and the history of the, how the Wheel of Life came to, how we came to have it. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hmm? Okay, but I was uh, one, two. No one asked any question about this. <laughs> We're gonna do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so I, I definitely we need to have a. I need to look into this background. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Janine is the one to talk to, right? Right. Okay. I have her email. Okay, yeah. I have to talk to her. So we can... Yeah. Some, some, some things I, I, uh, I've learned over the, the uh, past few weeks that I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been here. I think start implementing. I'm not talking about, you know, well, you can call it Dhamma if you want to, but 
more administrative kind of stuff. I think it would be help, would be help, help very helpful for me to be able to continue with this so that you don't have to have things like today. <laughs> Where you come expecting to have a discussion on Lam women. It's not that. And she came all the way from Canada. She came all the way from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> back so we can talk about that on the train <laughs> if you have any <laughs> okay. All right. Take uh, the book. Ending prayers. Well so that you, you can say you did talk about it in other than seeing the book. Uh, there are these twelve things called the twelve links of dependent origination. And you can tell someone that it was said. <laughs> <laughs> so back to what we do. Uh, uh, we studied here. At the end, we recite both the Tibetan and the English. Right? But for the... the we leave out the Sanskrit until the very end. Right? Page 16... And still waiting for somebody to come up with a rhythm for the English. No one has no one has come up. Here is a ground anointed. Uh, never mind. and flowers strewn with its Mount Meru adorned by the four continents, the sun and moon. Visualize as the Buddha feel, I offer it to the merit field. May all beings partake of a supremely pure Buddha field. Etam Guru Ratnamandala Kanyayatayami It seems like you were saying the English with the rhythm. I do, I do it. Um, Is it your own? Yeah. Oh, you might incorporate, you might uh, use that. <laughs> and page twenty-eight. <laughs> no, uh, sorry, page twenty-six. The dedication. Just mm-hmm. heart. Verse, 
By this virtue, may all beings perfect the accumulations of merit and wisdom and achieve the two holy bodies that arise from merit and wisdom. And that's it. Ha, 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 ha.